Hey everybody and welcome to episode 7 of Night and Day Podcast. Is episode 7, is it kind of like a 7 podcast itch? Can you get it kind of like in the marriage? Like if we make it past 7, we're guaranteed sort of like 50% that we're going to keep on going for longer? Or like, you know, this is that 7 year itch when you get married. People are like, hey, make it past 7 years. There's less likely a chance that you're going to get divorced. So do you think we'll last longer now that we made it to episode 7? Maybe. You're not seeming I'm, you're not seeming very convinced. I'm stuck on the word itch. Itch? You don't like itch? No. Seven but seven the, the saying innings is, stretch. No, the saying is it's the seven year itch. After seven years in a marriage, if you get the itch to leave, or if you haven't gotten the itch to leave, I should say, then you're almost guaranteed that you're gonna make it a little bit longer than the average marriage. Okay. Never heard that saying before? I don't know. Wow, people. Seventh inning stretch is the the only thing I'm thinking of. Okay. Don't make fun of her people. Seven year itch. (laughs) Yes, the seven year itch. I don't think that means what you think it means. (laughs) Holy cow. Okay, guys. um, Alana doesn't know about it, but anyway, we'll uh, we'll digress. We'll move on. Uh, So today's an exciting podcast. A couple of things that we want to get into. Uh, First off, uh, we're going to start off by talking about our experience at our competition that we did uh, last weekend, and then uh, that's going to lead us into uh, something pretty exciting. Uh, we last night had an opportunity to uh, interview Margot Alvarez, so we're going to kind of squeeze that into the middle here, um, and then we'll finish up with our uh, regular stuff, uh, our What the Hell is Wrong with You People. Uh, we got a great one from a friend of ours. Uh, that he uh, actually recorded a really cool voice message. So, um, yeah, so that's what we got on the tap today. So, D-Town, how was it? What did you, what was your, what's your thoughts? What was the experience like? So the D-Town Throwdown, sorry, before we get into it, uh, D-Town Throwdown was a competition in uh, Moncton, New Brunswick, actually, in Dieppe, um, hosted by CrossFit YQM. Um, It was a one-day event with three scheduled workouts, um, if you made uh, made it through those three scheduled workouts and finished in the top 12 teams, you made it on to the semifinals. Mm-hmm. If you have won out of the semifinals and made it to the top six teams, you went to the finals and then bingo, bango, bongo, one, you know, finish one, two, three, whatever. Bingo, bango. That's right. Bongo? <clears throat> bingo, bango, bongo. Um, I think you made that And up so too. top three um, got on the podium and won some prizes. So what, what did you think? It was good. Uh, yeah. It was very well organized. Yeah. Uh, of course, that's the first thing I say. Why am I such a loser? Um, no, but it was. It, it, it was going to be the thing I appreciate I a well-run event oh, because yeah. a lot of events are not well-run. And it's really hard to run. Uh, like, I couldn't imagine trying to run something like that. How many teams, approximately, did you think were there? I have no idea. So three divisions we had. There was a there was an RX, which is the sort of the top division. There was a scaled, which is sort of a, just a slightly lower weight um uh, and movements, uh, modified movements, um, and then a master's division, which was 35 years old uh, and over. Um, in our master's division, there was 14 teams, 15 teams, 16, I think, actually. 16 teams in master's. Oh, was that it? Yeah. I thought... 
No. <clears throat> so when we made top 12, it yeah, wasn't we were, really that big of an well, accomplishment. It wasn't super, oh, yeah. I like thought there you, was like 48 no, teams. No, there were 16. Oh. I think in, in the scaled, there was about probably 30 to 40 teams. Okay. Um, because that was... A lot of the times, the what you could do was the biggest. It was the group? biggest category. Yeah, oh, I RX thought, okay. RX was probably the smallest group because mm-hmm. there was only a couple of teams that could, you know, manage some of the weights and some of the movements. Mm-hmm. Um, but the scaled, I think, was the biggest uh, biggest category, right. um, which could be, you know, a group of four. So the, the, the teams were made up of four people: mm-hmm. two men, two women, um, and so you could. Depending on which category you wanted to go into, you could have a team of four with a really young person on it. Obviously, we were in Masters all four Like people. our team. Yeah. That was me. Super young. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on our team, uh, we had four people that were over the age of 35. Four so people you, over 40. But yeah, true. Um, so to be in Masters, though, you could not have anybody on your team that was over 35. Um, under 35. Under 35, sorry. Um, yeah. So, so it was good. Yeah, it That's was true. good. I, I find it odd that masters and scaled the only difference is the age so like the the movements and the weights are the exact same yeah um i don't know i i wish there was something a little bit higher than scaled but not quite rx do you know what i mean and i guess maybe not so so much for this competition it was uh, masters was pretty challenging but like in the open how masters and scaled yeah. is it seems to be you know quite a disparity between that and rx so yep. we did mostly rx workouts this year and you know whereas this competition like we clearly could not do rx no um but anyways i always wonder why masters and scaled is exactly the same yeah it seems it seems odd i guess because because there is a good possibility that you know somebody in a, let's say if we if we had have gotten entered into the scaled division mm-hmm. and we were because anybody can do scaled. You can still be in your 40s Absolutely. and join scaled. Right. Yep. So why not have scaled and masters have a, have a, a difference? difference, yeah, but for I'm, sure. Someone else might have more insight on that. Yeah. But um, it's still challenging, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> we, we finished in the top 12 of 16, not at, not 40. So we weren't, you know, we were bottom half of, of that. But we made it further than we anticipated. You know, we went through mm-hmm. the first three workouts and, you know, having practiced them for a couple of weeks leading up to it, I don't think we thought we were going to make the semifinals, which even still the top 12 teams out of 16 <laughs> made right. it to the semifinals. But um, but the reality was, was that I don't think we even expected to make it there. Um, our team pulled together nicely. We had a really great sort of f- first workout was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, second workout, probably not as good. Um, but then the third workout really went well. Um, second workout, we kind of fell off the rails with some of the, some of the, there's a lot of synchronized, synchronized movements. movements. Yeah. So individually as individuals, we probably would have done okay <clears throat> yeah. at that event, but synchronizing is super hard, especially yeah. when people have different rhythms. Yeah. Um, and I think you and I were kind of on the same rhythm, but I just, my grip got totally, I couldn't hold on to that bar for the toes. Which ended up, yeah, it just threw off our synchronization a little bit and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. yeah, it was, but all in all, a uh, great event. Um, again, uh, the entire, uh, the organizers, the volunteers, the judges, 
everybody that helped out at CrossFit YQM in Dieppe, hats off to you guys because that was a really awesome event. I know this is your, this is their sixth year doing it. So after doing it for that many years, um, you, you know, you kind of get, mm-hmm. you figure some things out, you do things a little bit better, you, you right. know, make some notes for the following year. But, um, you know, still it was, it, it, that whole day ran super smooth. It did. Um, there were some great vendors there. Um, they had mm-hmm. uh, booths set up, uh, yeah, it was really cool. I, I yeah. really enjoyed it. I like the tent city thing. Yeah. Like again, the whole community and we kind of bunked up next to another CrossFit gym yeah. from our area. Um, and we know those guys pretty well. So that was fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, just really, really well run. And the workouts were challenging, but still doable. You know, we could do all of the movements and everything that we had to do. So yeah. everyone kind of got a fair shake at it and, um, but it was good to see some people, you know, pull out some PRs and do things that they didn't think that they were going to be able to do. And yep. um, no, it was just really cool. Um, yeah, lots of abs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Lots, lots of fit people. Um, and um, what's her face? Colleen McQuaid was yes. there on one of the teams. Yep. One of the ladies who one of our other podcast friends had interviewed um, a while back and had gone yep. to the games. Um, a local lady and so it was really neat to you know see her in her yeah. crossfit open gear and yeah, you know sure. doing what she what she does that was pretty inspiring to yeah me. it was quite neat uh to yeah for sure to see her and she's phenomenal like just mm-hmm. kind of she was in the rx division obviously because mm-hmm. she is a crossfit games athlete but uh you know it was yeah it was really cool um i enjoyed seeing that um i didn't get a chance to talk to her but um, a couple of the people from our gym had a chance to mm-hmm. you know, have a little bit of a chat with her, which was really cool. And Moncton's a good venue for events just in general. Yeah. Like, you know, we stayed at a hotel downtown close to lots of good restaurants. So after the event, we got a, an opportunity to also kind of hang out with some other people from other boxes. And yeah. that was good too. So yeah, yeah you made it to the, uh, sticky, the sticky bar, <laughs> sticky bar, the sticky floor. Bar. I don't even know what that bar was called. I don't know. Who cares? It doesn't have a name. <laughs> yeah. Sketchy I'm not bar. even sure. We're gonna call it Sketchy Bar because, yeah, when uh, when we walked up, <clears throat> I walked upstairs and saw that there was a cage there for dancing inside of. Um, you know, you thought, hmm, this is not the place. Did for you know us. that your wife danced? Oh, in that I know. Cage? You okay. told me. You told me okay. multiple times. <laughs> hey, I danced it, in the I, cage. It actually wasn't my idea. It was one of the other. It might have been the double gin and tonics in the shark glass that kind of put you over the edge and made you dance no in the cage. i felt like dancing as okay. soon as somebody said let's head to this place i was the like yeah bar. let's go yeah what's the music like <laughs> yeah i can't stay in one place for too long we so. were by far the oldest most decrepit people in that bar i'm not row. sure we were decrepit uh, but we were old we were old yeah. for sure for sure some That's of those okay. kids were young enough to be our kids i'm i think when you hit 40 as a lady you're like, screw everybody and everything. I'm just going to do what I feel like doing. And <laughs> awesome. I wanted to go dance. So I you did. to shake your booty. I did and it. So you did it. Awesome. Yeah. That's good. Um, what else? There was something else I was going to talk to you about. About D-Town? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, obviously, D-Town kind of got you, get, bit you with the bug. And oh. <laughs> now mm-hmm. you're interested and you're actually signed up to do the uh, fall classic yeah. at uh, CrossFit Kinetics in Halifax. So. so it's funny. The progression of as soon as we showed up for that first heat of the first wad, 
immediately your heart starts pounding, your stomach kind of goes, oh, you're like, what have I done? And I think Mm -hmm. I did say it out loud, like, what have I done here? (laughs) Why am I doing this to myself? This is just like the open and all the nerves and it's totally terrifying until it's over and then it was awesome. Um, But then as soon as the event was over, I was kind of like, well, so what's the next thing? I like to have goals and, you know, things on my list that I can check off that that I've done and work towards. So So there's a big difference though between... So the D-Town Throwdown, which we just did, teams of four, mm-hmm. to go to the Fall Classic, and yeah. you're on your own. Yeah. What, well, it's what like you, the Open. What do you feel? Is that something that you think you'll, do you think you'll thrive better in an individual setting, or do you do better in a team setting? No, I probably wouldn't. I think I would probably do better in the team setting, maybe. Um, it definitely makes me more uncomfortable to do the individual, but I often put myself in uncomfortable situations just to get over it right but I really enjoyed the competing um and individually you know there's there's nothing else out there it's just all your effort and so where you place and how you've done is just totally on you and so it's a good evaluation of kind of where you are and yeah I I don't know I find that more stressful personally like I Mm -hmm. I I will push myself harder knowing that I have teammates relying on me versus you know, versus me going, if I'm there in my own head by myself mm-hmm. and I don't, I can't tag out and let somebody else yeah, carry the to load, hide. right? You're on your own and you yeah. got to finish the reps and you got to finish the time clock and mm-hmm. all that stuff. I, 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 I'm not saying that I couldn't do it, but I think I would be really uh, more stressed and worried mm-hmm. about doing an individual um, competition with that many people. Like, yes, when we do the open, it's everybody we know. How We're many in people? Our no, I don't want to know. There's going to be a lot of people there. Yeah. When I watched it on, like, because they do live videos and stuff. Okay, we should end from this the conversation. Event. Um, but I've I watched, already paid. I watched some of it last year. And, yeah. yeah, there's but a lot of But it's going to be different because you're not competing. So you're going to... Not yet, anyway. We'll see. I'm, so I'm, I'm looking forward to having someone in the stands cheer me on. That's fine. I will scream your name. Go, honey. You're and if the, the kids can come, we both can't sign up because... I mean, come on, last weekend of September, guaranteed we're going to be full on into some sort of hockey. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I'm probably going to be there all day. You are. Depending on how the heat's You're right. Two days. Two days. Yeah, but the second day I don't think is like a full day. Yeah, but still. So there's five wads and they've released the wads, three and, on the first day and yeah. two on the second day. Yeah. But then there's a strength event, which I don't think they've said anything about. And I don't know yeah. the structure of this at all, but I'm yeah. intrigued by the strength event. Like mm-hmm. I hope it's some sort of ladder to a one rep max of something. Um, but you already have that in one of the wads. One of the wads is do some work clean and then and finish with right. the one rep max clean and jerk. Yeah, so. but there is a strength event. So what yeah. would that... I don't know. Bench press. Something like that. Oh. Right? That's Maybe. strength. <laughs> That's strength. Right? Well, it's almost, Bench press. Yeah, I was I was thinking weightlifting, but strength oh. doesn't necessarily mean... Typically, so your so you're strongman events or when you, when you get into like powerlifting, powerlifting mm-hmm. stuff... That's bench press, mm-hmm. um, deadlift, and... As long as it's not front squat. No, I think it's back squat. Okay. So, but so there I could think those, be a are, those are your three events when you're doing um, powerlifting. Okay. So, anyway, okay. that'll, yeah. Maybe they'll announce seen. that ahead of time. I don't, I don't know. know. I really know nothing about it okay. other than that night out at dinner. Someone was like, yeah, it's so much fun. Yeah. And then, of course, I Googled it. And, and then I got hard and I signed up. Yeah, that's good. It'll be fun. But there's a few people from our box, I think, signing up for it. Oh, for sure. I'll know people there for sure. And, yeah. But um, and yeah, I'll be there with towards. a camera. 
I'll be showing you. So you guys tune in and no September. No Facebook Live, please. Oh yes, 100%. We'll go we'll go Facebook Live on the Night and Day podcast site and we can all cheer Atlanta on and yell mm -hmm. and scream and say go Atlanta go. Um, okay, so competition aside, that's, you know, that's yeah, we we did well. We had fun on the weekend. Mm -hmm. Looking good. forward to the next competition. And speaking of competition, uh, this is where we're going to uh, take a little bit of a break um, and let you guys sit back and enjoy um, our interview with Margot Alvarez. What did you think? Oh, you know, <laughs> it was, oh, puppy dog, something's happening outside. Um, it was a little bit surreal when we started off, you would ask her a question and she was giving her answer, and I kind of put my chin on the palm of my yes, hand. Yes, I looked at you like and that. I was, and I, I was just sort of like, oh, I'm listening. This is a really good podcast. Oh, wait. <laughs> this <laughs> is yours. our podcast. So I kept forgetting to like, yes. and you interjected enough, and I wanted to just listen to her, and yeah. nobody wants to hear me talk. They want to hear what she has to say. So I kind of kept coming, going in and out of, oh, right, this is my podcast. Like, I'm not just... Right. But great. Just super awesome. I, I really enjoy... 99 to 100% of what she says and mm. to hear her talk about yeah Annie on one side of me and she was doing it like you know I'm not really on a first name basis with with Annie but now I am with Margo so it's pretty cool but uh, yeah so yeah. you know it's uh yeah it was awesome it was a mm -hmm. really cool experience to you know, for us to be in awe of these athletes who do some amazing things, and we sit and watch the CrossFit Games, and you know, to think mm -hmm. that oh, pff, we'd never ever have any opportunity, let alone seeing them in person, mm -hmm. but uh, to talk to them, like it was just, it was really cool. I was, I was super excited that it got, we got a chance to do it, and it mm -hmm. was a lot of fun, and uh, yeah. So, without further ado, enjoy the Margot Alvarez interview. All right, so here we are. Uh, thank you, uh, Margo Alvarez, for taking the time to uh, join us on our podcast today. Uh, Margo is a six times CrossFit uh, Games competitor, um, and we're super honored and super happy to have you here as a guest, and we truly thank you for taking the time to do that with us. Of course, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Uh, so we wanted to start off uh, in the beginning, Margo, just give us a little bit of a background of sort of where you sort of started off in your sports background. Uh, where, what did you do growing up? Where did you, where did you kind of take that into your collegiate days? Um, and then certainly after that, how you kind of got yourself into the CrossFit, uh, CrossFit uh, sport? Yeah, totally. Um, so I grew up, I was born in Southern California in La Jolla, but I grew up most of my life in Montana and any activity that I could get involved with, um, I would try. So I did horseback riding, golf, um, any, I did ballet for a little bit, like maybe about two years. My sisters did jazz. And so I was really active. Um, I got in, once I got into high school, I focused more on golf and volleyball particularly, but just being active was really important. I loved it. Um, both my sisters and I, um, always try to be outdoors and growing up in Montana, we had that outdoor nature background. And I think, we would go and just play around and be as active as possible and just be in our environment that we loved, which was outdoors. And I think Montana offered an amazing opportunity for that. Um, so when I finished high school, I finished, um, what was that? 2003, I graduated high school and I tried to go to the university. I uh, actually went to Hawaii Pacific university and I wanted to try to go for golf. They didn't have a golf team set up. So 
I looked at volleyball, volleyball, I was too short. I was five, seven. So I wasn't someone that was looked at as a optimal volleyball player. Um, the golf individual that was there to hopefully start the team, um, and the coach to be the one to kind of push it and forward and get it going didn't actually happen. So I just focused on studying abroad and I would just do my own kind of working out on the side. I would run. I really got into running in high school or in college, excuse me. And I did that for five years and just would do kind of, you'd go to the gym, you do a little interval training, um, run on the treadmill, lift some dumbbells, lift some weights. Um, and it was cool. I've always was involved in health, health and the fitness aspect that always piqued my interest. And so when I graduated high school or excuse me, college, I keep saying high school. When I graduated university and college, I moved to the Bay area and got a job as a marketing assistant there. And I wanted to be in again, the health and fitness industry. And so I found health club I worked for to work for and started working for them. And then I eventually started getting interested in the personal training aspect. And so I became a personal trainer and I would, again, I would run on my own and I started actually getting interested in like races, like five K's, 10 K's did some uh, half marathons did about three half marathons, um, did some obstacle races like Tough Mudder, the Spartan races that they had kind of back in like 2009, 2010 and 2011. And some friends of mine that I did one of the Tough Mudder races had suggested, Oh, you should check out CrossFit. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I I just found um, the UFC gyms that had just started coming up. I just joined one of them, and I was actually interested in getting back into martial arts since I did Taekwondo when I was little. And so I kind of pushed CrossFit to the side, and a couple of people said, hey, you should really check it out. You would really like it. I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm really liking my submission wrestling classes, my fight fit classes, um, my running that I was doing. So I kind of pushed it off to the side, and then eventually some another friend of mine was like, hey, like I'm going to go check out this CrossFit gym. You should come. So I was like, okay twist my arm, I went and it was by far like so challenging and so different, but I loved it. And that was, um, 2000, beginning of 2011. So like end of February, beginning of March. And do you remember your first workout? Yes. So the, actually to back up a little bit, um, the first workout that I found out later was a CrossFit workout. I had, uh, I went to the, a, a gym and the personal trainer, I told him there, I was like, Hey, like I've done personal training before. I'm a marketing coordinator. I've done tons of training. I want something different, like challenge me, like give me something. He's like, okay, let me give you this workout. He gives it to me and I'm dying. And I find out later it's the filthy 50. Oh. <laughs> so that was like, we, I guess yeah. my true first CrossFit workout that I didn't really know. I just remember the push press with the 45 pound bar being yep. like the heaviest thing in the world. Cause I'd never done really anything upper body. So that was my first true CrossFit workout. Um, but then when I joined the gym and actually signed up, it was a workout with snatches and burpees. And I'd never done a snatch, never really held on a barbell besides that one time. So it felt yeah. so foreign. And I was using um, the 45-pound bar. And so kind of random side story, my right thumb was a little bit shorter than my left thumb. So trying to hook grip was really challenging and really hard. But um, I liked that. So I remember being done with the snatches and burpees and just dying on the floor. I was like, man, this is so hard. This is so challenging. But at the same time, it was so exhilarating and yeah. so kind of refreshing in a way. Um, and I, I think I definitely became that Kool-Aid drinking CrossFit girl like right away. I like, just fell head over heels for it. Um, and that, again, that was end of February 2011, beginning of March. And that was pretty much, I was all in after that. I signed up for the elements classes or the on-ramp classes and um, and then just started attending classes. I was still doing running. I still had a half marathon that I was signed up for and still did that. But um, I was I was loving it. And I wanted to 
after doing it for about a month or two, I took a mobility seminar that Kelly Starrett had taught. So for those who've been around CrossFit for a while, Kelly Starrett has done the mobility wad. He's been around mm-hmm. for a long time. And um, I was like, man, like, I really love this. I really want to get more involved, not just as doing CrossFit as a way for fitness and health, but also coaching it and sharing my passion for health and fitness with others, helping them change their lives and, and at least being a little bit healthier lifestyle. So I, I again, like I dove right in <laughs> head first. Good. When, when did you get your L1 then? So I got my L1 uh, four months after starting CrossFit in June, 2011. Okay. And then, so June, 2011, you, you qualified for the CrossFit games in 2012 then, correct? No, Your so first... 2013 is my first year. So 2011, I got my level one. The next weekend I actually went down to SoCal to, uh, I volunteered for the SoCal regionals when California had their two regionals. Yep. Volunteered for that. And then, um, got in contact with the people that I needed to, to volunteer at the games and volunteered at the games in 2011, sorry, 11, this is a 2011, um, yep. volunteered at the games then. And after that, after just seeing everything that was in front of me, I was like, man, like I want to be able to compete at this level. Like, look at these amazing athletes, both men, women, and teams. Like, this is incredible. I want to be there. And so that was when I was like, all right, I want to compete. I'm going to do whatever I can to do that. Um, and then the next year I qualified for regionals in 2012. And then 2013 was the first year I qualified for the games. Awesome. Um, so being a six time CrossFit games competitor now, uh, between 2013 up till now in 2018, obviously you've seen some pretty significant changes go on at mm-hmm. the games. And we'll talk a little bit more about uh, some of the future changes that are coming up and in, in a few minutes, but um, I kind of wanted your take on over the last number of years that you've competed. Um, are there a couple of just kind of key moments in those different games that you kind of take away that, that really stand out for you? Um, were there some, some sort of things that you can glean from them as, Oh, that was a, that was a really cool memory that I remember from that specific year. For sure. I would say the one of the biggest memories I have is from 2012. My goal that year was to make it to the final workout where um, they only took, I believe, it was top 20. And so I qualified for the that top 20 spot for that last workout. And it was a 17-minute workout with like deadlifts, muscle-ups, toes of bar, wall balls, farmer carry. And at the time, muscle-ups were a hit and miss. I'd done them, but it wasn't very consistent. And so I'd spent 17 minutes trying to get a muscle up and I'd get on top of the rings and then I would try to dip out of it and kip and whatever I could do to get out of that dip to get a rep. But, um, I never could get it. And I just remember the community and the crowd and the stands were cheering for me. And like, you could see the emotion in their face. Like they wanted it just as bad as I wanted it. And to have their support and to have their like emotion and their yells and their cheers, like that was something that always stayed with me. And as much as I couldn't get that rep. Like it was something that's so memorable and that I for sure took forward going each year. And so I finished that year 17th at the regionals and 2013, uh, that was my first year qualifying. And then I, I had been, obviously I put a lot of time and effort and work into what we've done. And my boyfriend at the time, who's my fiance now, he was coaching and helping me and programming and to, to have that leading from 2012, 2013, like so much effort put into it going into that last day in 2013 and having an attitude, like not that I, I wanted to go and I wished and dreamed and um, and imagined and envisioned me on that podium. But it's like, I knew no, whatever, whatever happened on 2013, like I gave it everything I got, I'd be happy. And so at the end of the workout in 2013, when I found out I had made it, it was kind of like, are you sure? Did they do the point calculation? Right. And of course they did the calculation. 
point calculation, right? But it was just, yeah. it was a moment that it's like, no matter what, I didn't have any regrets or anything. I didn't hold back. And so that was another moment. I mean, I know this is still at regionals, but those were two moments that really made a huge impact in my life just because the community and the support that I had within CrossFit and seeing people in the cheer in the stands cheering for me was really awesome. Um, yeah, it truly is. And obviously yeah. we're, we're masters athletes and we've only been at it for a couple of years, but there is something very, uh, undescribable. It's, it's sometimes very challenging to explain to people what that community aspect is really like. I don't think anybody truly understands it until they've had an opportunity to come in and experience it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I could, I can imagine now, obviously on a very small scale, we, we, we do the odd competition here and there. We just did a, one recently on the weekend and you can feel like there's 120 plus competitors there that you can feel that energy just, uh, you know, you feed off of everybody else's, um, successes, even their failures. You're just like, come on, you know, pick yourself totally. up and let's, let's go. So it's, it's a really, uh, really awesome experience. No, I agree. I think that energy from the crowd can carry you maybe at the point where you don't feel it or you don't feel like going or you feel like you're all like, I don't know if I can finish. And it's like that energy from the community is so strong. It just, it sometimes gives you that little extra push that you, that you maybe need or think that you don't have, but you do. Totally. Mm-hmm. I yeah. have kind of the in competition mode, I have the opposite kind of experience that, you know, in the gym and any given day when you're doing a wad, you know, everyone's cheering you on and you kind of feel that energy, but something about in a competition for me, I, as soon as it's three, two, one go, I don't hear the music playing. I don't know who's around me. Like I, I'm in like this (laughs) bubble or black hole of just put my head in and getting the work done. And I, until it's all over yeah. and then I kind of look around and I see people I'm right, I'm here. And, you know, it's terrifying in that moment. And then when you're done, it's like a feeling of, you know, huge pride and accomplishment and you're, you know, high five in your team. And we had one particular workout that we exceeded like many expectations of how we were going to do. So when it was all over, like we were just like slamming the high fives and hugging. Like, I'm not a hugger. And we were hugging and <laughs> just smiles and cheers. And it's awesome. But, you know, in, in that actual eight minutes, nine minutes, whatever that, that workout is, I find mm-hmm. that I, I just zone out and, you know, I wish I could get the energy of the crowd, but you know, maybe that's a protective shell of don't pay attention to anybody around you. Just yeah. do what you know you need to get done and do your best. And, and I love that you say, you know, you did your best on that day and that's all you can do. Cause that's something that we've kind of adopted, um, over the last little bit to stop, you know, kind of chasing the leaderboard and after every workout looking to see, you know, who did what it's just, did I do the very best that I could on that day? And I did. And even if it wasn't better than what other people did, it was my best. So that's where I'm kind of taking it. And especially as a master's athlete to be, you know, perfectly honest about why we entered into CrossFit was to get fit and to have, you know, some longevity and to play with our kids for, you know, and not get tired and be able to do stuff with them. So kind of different, different goals, but I think we all share, the community shares the same values. So that's, you know, that's why we love it so much. And when, you know, when PJ told me that we were going to be chatting with you, I was like, what? That's crazy. And then I thought, but you know what? Not, I'm not surprised because the community is just that, that you, it doesn't matter who people are in the community. Everybody's kind of equal and everybody supports everybody. So 
Exactly. And I think it's really important to remember no matter what level you're at, whether you're just starting CrossFit or you're just getting into fitness or you've been doing it for years and you've competed at such a high level, like it's tough because we all get caught up in the leaderboard or num- and we can get caught up in numbers. And it's, it's, it's important to look at numbers to see if we're progressing. And that's how CrossFit measures our health and fitness. You know, like we take, we take that data, we write it down, we record it. We see if we get faster in terms of workouts, we're able to lift more weights or be more proficient in skill movements. But it's like, all right, well, we're taking that information, but if we get so consumed with it where we're losing that overall picture or that bigger picture, then sometimes it's kind of maybe a reminder where it's like, hey, let's take a step back to like remember why we're doing this and Mm -hmm. not get so caught up in the numbers because that funnel can definitely take you down that rabbit hole for sure. But I think you guys, as uh, certainly as CrossFit Games um, competitors, you guys have an absolute need to crunch the numbers. You need to be oh, looking at sure. the leaderboards, and you guys need to really focus on on that. That obviously that training aspect. And I think you you said earlier that uh, your fiance Alex is it? Yeah, correct, Alex. Yeah. So and he's been coaching you for the last uh, six years that you've been at the CrossFit Games. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. Um, So, you know, I think you guys probably spend an awful lot of time looking at numbers and data and all that stuff because, (laughs) you know, without it, you you can't get to the CrossFit Games without doing that stuff. You know that everybody else is doing it. Um, Katrin's doing it. Sarah's doing it. Annie's doing it. They're all crunching numbers and they're all keeping track of data, you know, from their nutrition all the way down to their reps. Um, You know, they don't, you guys don't miss a day. You can't miss a day because inevitably um, you fall behind when you do. Um, But watching the leaderboard uh, kind of brought up a thought in my head that uh, your experience uh, in, in the row, uh, I want to talk about that row a little bit. Atlanta wants to talk, find, sort of pick your brain on your experience in the row. Um, That first off, that was, Hey, congratulations. That was a (laughs) phenomenal, phenomenal performance. Um, We sat here at the house, we had it streaming on our computer and we were watching and it was just, you know, we were mind blown when it, when it was all said and done, but, uh, you know, I know Alana has a couple of questions about that row and, and then we'll certainly let her pick your brain on it. Well, just, you know, how you got off the rower with a smile. (laughs) I, I, we row a 2k and I get off and it's like, I'm down on the ground. (laughs) What just just happened there? Oh my gosh. And you did uh, like what, what's going through your mind that like, that's a long time on a rower. Are you totally dialed in the entire time with what's happening on the screen? Or do you have to kind of, you know, take yourself out of that for sanity? (laughs) Yeah, no, I think, um, I, I, to like kind of preface it before we get into the details, like I, not that I saw that coming, but we thought there was going to be a really long event at the games. And, and Dave kept talking about leading up to the games, like, oh, day one's going to be brutal. I'm like, it has to be something gnarly, like a 30 to, four mile, 30 to 40 mile bike ride. So it, right. when it wasn't that, I was like, okay, well, this long event's either going to be a monostructural movement or it's going to be like a chipper of everything in there. So Wednesday or Monday night when we went to dinner and he's like, it's a marathon row. I was, it's funny. I think I was the most emotionless person there. So I was like, <laughs> Not that I saw it coming, but it's kind of like, okay, this was coming because we did a half marathon row years ago in 2013. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, That was, I think, the second event on the Wednesday there. And so I'm like, all right, I kind of saw it coming. And I was, I had done a marathon row once before. Sam Briggs had done it for a charity back in 2014. And she's like, hey, you want to do it with me? And I was like, Sam Briggs asked me to do the marathon row. Uh, Yeah, I'm going (laughs) to do it. Of course I'm going to do it. Plus it was for charity and it's a great cause. 
Yeah. So I ended up doing it. So I had an idea of like what it felt like. I knew that I was going to wear gloves. My butt was probably going to go numb at some point. So mm-hmm. right. I think it was kind of like, all right, this is what it is. And, and when it started, obviously there was that false start, but, um, going into that workout and that event, um, Alex is programmed. He so he programs for myself and Whitney Glenn, who's also from the game. She's from North Carolina, and so our goal was to go hard that first two k, assess after the first one k. So do the one k hard, see how we feel, taper if we need to, go a little bit slower for that second thousand meters, and then settle into a two hundred eight pace for as long as we can. And our goal, both Whitney and my goals, our goals were to get out in front. And so I know on the first. I can't remember how many meters we were doing it, but it was a good probably 8,000 meters where we were back and forth, back and forth. She, her was, she was in front and then I was in front, but the goal was just to find a pace. And after that 2K, I tapered into like a 206, I think, for another couple thousand meters. Um, and at one point, Alex had come around to the front and was like telling us to slow down because we're like, man, we feel so good. Like, this feels great. <laughs> 8,000 meters in, 10,000 meters in, like doing solid. Um but the goal was to win for sure. And so when we got ahead and it was Whitney, I was like, cool, man, like just find your pace, settle in. My thought process for the most part was just staring at the monitor, like checking out my pace and maintaining, I feel good, relax my body, make sure to breathe, Mm -hmm. um, change my body. So don't always stay in the exact same position. So maybe for a good number of strokes or meters, I would maybe round my back a little bit, reach a little bit more. And then I'd change it, try to flatten my back, maybe drive a little bit more with my legs um, I'd look up to the crowd. So I had some friends in front of me that were directly in front of me that would yell and cheer my name. So I'd smile when I saw them. And obviously when you smile, you know, it kind of takes your mind off of what you're doing physically and you, you release mentally I had my mom and my sister off to the left-hand side. And so I was focusing my pace and making sure that to like take some drinks of water or Gatorade, coconut water, whatever I had, and then have a goo or have a chew and make sure that I didn't wait too long to have something. Cause I remember when I did the half marathon row, I was about eight to 9,000 meters remaining. And I just felt like this crash and this dip. And I was like, man, mm-hmm. like I need to like have some, have something. And luckily I had goose and coconut water next to me. So I was able to use that. So I knew going into it, like this is twice the amount of distance. Like you've got to be prepared. And the big thing, I think, I'm not sure how, I can't speak for the other athletes, but for myself and Whitney, we were just like, we prepared mentally. Like you can't mess with your head. You can't F with your head. Like a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, it's a, a marathon row. It's going to be so long. It's like, and you get inside your head and you screw with yourself mentally. It's going to, you're already going to put yourself in a position of defeat. And then you're already getting yourself towards like, Oh man, it's going to be so long. You're already in a negative mindset. So I think it was really important for both her and I to go in there with that positive mindset. It's like, we're going to win this. We're going to do whatever we can to get ahead and stay ahead. What point during that road did you realize to yourself, well, I got this in the bag? Like, was there a certain point where you thought to yourself, okay, I'm winning this thing and it's a given, I'm going to win? That's a great question. I think not till the very end, like almost very end, maybe like last couple thousand meters, last 5,000 meters that I, I really maybe think that. Not that I didn't think that beforehand, but I was like, it's not over until it's over. So I knew, <laughs> even though Whitney and I were in the beginning and we were out in front, there was at one point where I think it was Annie was in third. So in the monitor, I would look up at the monitor from time to time because you can see people's pace, like the top 20 pace. Yeah. I wasn't really concerned with, I mean, once there was a good amount of distance, I wasn't really concerned with the people more so closer to like the 10 to 20 or 15 to 20 spot. But it was more about, all right, who's in that spot, like three 
to 10 or three to seven that could possibly make a move up. And Annie started to create some separation. So I could see her pace. And I know at one point, I think around the 10 to 12,000 meter mark, my pace dropped to about 212 to 11, maybe 215 every once in a while. If I grabbed some water, drink, I'd drop. And so I'd try to get it back up. But it's like if I, in my mind, it's like, all right, if I slow down a little bit, but then Annie's a little faster, there's a possibility that she could possibly make some ground up to Whitney and then I. So I was like, all right, that was not necessarily a concern, but just an awareness factor of like, all right, make sure I stay where I'm at and keep pushing that lead no matter, I don't care how close Whitney was or how how close Annie was, like just continue to keep that push. Because Whitney and I, for the most part, were close. It wasn't until I think, again, the last 12 to 15,000 meters where I got like 100 or 200 meters in front of her. And it's hard to like gain that much on an individual, no matter who it is. Yeah. But my focus, I think... It's- Sorry, just, especially, just at, especially at 40,000 uh, meters already rode, <laughs> you know, you're already, yeah. you're already exhausted at that point to, you know, a little kick at the end is probably not the easiest thing to kind of throw into the second or third gear and try to finish it off. But, um, you know, in the end, again, like Alana said, you finished it with a smile on your face, which was probably shocking to uh, the, <laughs> the entire world as we were watching, yeah. you know, just kind of seeing that, you know, and, 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 you know, even, even more amazing. And, and I thought was just, you know, a, a true accomplishment. There were, how many men did you finish ahead of nine, 10? I th- yeah, I think there was like nine men that I was I, that I beat. I remember afterwards, a couple of the guys were like, "Man, my goal was just to finish ahead of you, Margot." I was like, "Okay, <laughs> cool, yeah, that's awesome." I know, I know a yeah. couple of guys at the gym who we have that relationship. Absolutely, <laughs> side You, you got to have the frenemies, you know, the, the fr- totally. people that you love but you totally want to beat every time you see them. That's totally. amazing. That's so funny. Uh, it was such a it was, it, was a, it was a totally a cool experience to watch for sure. Um, any other sort of 2018 moments that you kind of pull out that make you just kind of think, oh man, this was, this was so, such a cool experience. Is there anything else there that you can kind of relate to? Yeah. I mean, definitely the, the half of the full marathon was pretty cool. Um, I liked, I don't know, I loved, I loved that outdoor venue, the new North park venue. I think it was really cool. I think obviously on the Friday that first event, you know, honoring the military, the military appreciation, like we had a uniform specifically set for that event. I think that was really cool to honor them and be in that environment in that field. And as much whatever we're doing seems as hard or painful, like what they do and the sacrifice that they do. um, Obviously, it's around the world for anyone, you know, giving their life and dedicating their time towards um, supporting the country. That was really cool as well. And I think seeing I mean, it wasn't necessarily specific events, but just seeing the amount of community and people in the stands out there, like that was awesome. Uh, and again, like after every workout, like I try to always wave to the crowd and like just say thank you because it's like we wouldn't be as an, uh, the athletes competing there wouldn't be there without the support of the community from around the world, wherever you're traveling to come and see these events. doesn't matter. I just think it's so awesome. So to have that appreciation and be a part of that was really cool. I think this year, I know they did something different with the opening ceremonies. Um, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I think that was really cool just to – I think obviously they're working now – because that was the first year this year was doing that. But I think it's really cool to show the amount of people coming from different countries and the amount of people that are there that have qualified and done it and just giving the opportunity for people to interact with athletes because I I know it's a lot of – a lot of people I've talked to like outside the games at different like small events throughout the year or anytime I'm doing – 
kind of any in-person events where I can communicate and talk to people and get to meet others. They've expressed that, you know, with CrossFit Games, it's cool to see and communicate and talk to and get pictures with or do the same workouts to people at the games. Whereas, you know, if you relate it to like the NFL, football or basketball, where you maybe don't have that interaction with them as much, like people really love that. So I think that was really cool um, this year, being able to see that and be a part of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, so this idea of the opening ceremonies, this is going to bring me to uh, a slight conversation. I just want to get your take on some of the changes that are coming up in 2019. Um, obviously, I don't know that all of the details are completely released, but obviously Greg Greg Glassman last week um, announced in May that there are going to be some changes. Um, there are going to be now uh, sort of what I would describe in my personal opinion is more Olympic style um, set up to the games, uh, meaning that you're going to have representatives from countries. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if that sort of opening ceremonies wasn't a little bit of a foreshadowing glimpse into some of the changes that may have been coming down the pipe. Um, but so for you, um, regionals are out uh, in 2019, meaning that you need to, from from how I understand it, maybe you can clarify uh, if I'm wrong, but you need to be sort of the top competitor in your country to represent that country, or you need to go the route of some of these smaller events that are uh, events that could potentially let you qualify for the games. Uh, give, give us mm-hmm. your thoughts, give us your take on, on the changes for 2019 and how that may change your preparation as you, you know, obviously have a, a continued hope to make the CrossFit games uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's tough because, like you said, there's we don't know if we we don't know all the facts yet. Um, I mean, Coach Glassman, his conversation with Justin LoFranco from the Morning Chalk Up was released, and obviously, it was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Yeah. Um, it's it's tough to it. I mean, so I said I'm going to like go again for the games this next year. I'm going to give it another go. And so, in terms of training, what I need to do, it's not so much prepping for the regionals or the games. Now it's just focusing on the games. But obviously to get to the games, there's going to be, you know, unless I'm winning the open and I have to, I love as much as I would love to say, I'm going to win the open like that. I have never won the open. Um, it's, it's never been where I finished the best at in terms of like overall in the worldwide. So that'd be a, a strong or a, a, not, not a hard impossible feat, but it'd be very challenging. Yep. Um, so it's like those 16 events. We don't know what specifically, I know they referenced Dubai, they referenced Wadapalooza, possibly the granite games. So training for one of those events, um, that's obviously changes training a little bit. And it's tough because Dave Castro has always programmed open regionals in the game. So yep. it's kind of tough to see like, all right, what does Wadapalooza offer for programming? And right. just recently from social media posts, there's going to be a variety of people contributing to the programming versus Guido who was doing it before in the past. Okay. So it's going to be tough to say, all right, what does my training need to be? Obviously I need to be evaluating and changing it a little bit where I might be doing more games training year round um, or a variety. If I look, I'd have to look at the history of the Wadapalooza, what events they typically have, Granite Games, what events do they typically have? What do they focus on? So I mean, it's tough to say just because I'm waiting. I think I've talked to some of the other athletes that have competed the games and it's kind of like waiting. All right. Is there going to be a release by CrossFit HQ media team to say, what are the details? What are um, the specifics to it? What's the rule book going to be? Cause if this is going to apply to 2019, then it's a little different. So it's tough. It's, it's definitely challenging in terms of what are you going to plan for? How are you going to train? Because if you look at it as a year from, I mean, now until next year's games, 
when do the qualifying events start? They say they'll start right. in November. So, are the, I mean, obviously the open for the October won't be this year. It'll start next year where there'll be two opens next year. Yeah. But it's like, all right, what events are you qualifying for? How many are they in the U.S.? Like, how many are international? Which ones can I travel to? If there's events on the same weekend, I don't think they would do that now that they're going to be, again, 16 different events. Mm-hmm. But finding the ones that allow you to train, get ready, prepare, and obviously set sights on winning because that's going to earn you a trip to the games. Um, can you, how many can you do back to back, like doing competitions, like weekend, back to weekend, back to weekend are really tough and really challenging. Yeah. So so I was going to say, are there, as you've qualified for the games in the previous sort of six years, have there been competitions that you would do leading up to the games or do you typically just focus your, uh, your training specifically on, Hey, we're going to the games or would you kind of do it like a tune up competition just to kind of keep things fresh and ready to go for the games? Mm -hmm. Um, so in the past, I have done Wadapalooza. I've done Wadapalooza in 2015 and 16. Um, I've done, there's a Fittest Games in Texas that I did one year. Um, a couple different competitions. Uh, Cascade Classic, I've done a couple years in a row up in Washington, Seattle, Washington, which might be an event that they may uh, do a CrossFit sanctioned event. Um, it's tough. The past two years, I haven't done much outside events because I was harvesting. Right. And harvest starts usually right after the games in August and goes through beginning of October. Yeah. And so... Uh, my training would take a little bit of a hit during that time period. So I wasn't doing any competitions during then or immediately after. So it will change a little bit going this for this year where I'm not harvesting this year. I'm focusing more time towards training to qualify and get to the games again for 2019. So it will change and it will um, adapt a little bit. And again, waiting to see what events will be sanctioned events and at what point, like, are they going to start sanctioning events now or are they going to wait till next year to start sanctioning right. events? Yeah, yeah. And that's a question because like, I'm going to do Wadapalooza, which is a goal this upcoming year, early 2019, January. Yep. Is it already going to be sanctioned at that point? And will that, qual- will that be considered or will it already be a qualifier for that 2019 year or is it going to wait another year to go around? Right. So there's, yeah. it's tough to like make these decisions and having things set in stone when we're still waiting for all the final details and when the, um, new like i guess rule book will be released and usually they release at the beginning of the year but now that it's changing and going to be different i imagine hq is either on already on that like working on that now or they're still formulating what needs to be planned to be released to everyone in the community for sure well, I'm going to transition you away. You brought up the the harvest. So we want to also sort of take an opportunity to talk about one of the things that, first of all, that's the whole reason why we decided or that we actually got connected to you well, to begin okay. with. Maybe not the whole reason. Well, not the whole reason. You're an amazing <laughs> athlete. Part. But yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, you know, literally, I, so I was, I, I'm obviously, st- we started this podcast as just a fun thing for the two of us to do and, and connect on a, on, on a fun level uh, well, on a so regular awesome. basis, which is awesome. We're having a ton of fun with it. Um, but I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I happened to one day be driving in my car, um, listening to the most recent episode of girls gone wad, uh, Claire awesome. and Joy. Hi guys. Mm-hmm. They're um, awesome. You know, they are awesome and they, their episodes are tons of fun. And I just, the very first one I ever caught on was the week that they interviewed you. And so of course I'm listening and I'm hearing your story and you're telling them all this stuff. And then of course you get into your wine business and you talk about an awful lot about, you know, your sort of the philosophy that you live by on, Hey, listen, I can train really hard. 
I can recover, but I can also drink wine. And when I heard that, like I instantly, I'm driving on the highway and I'm like, Alana needs to hear about this. Like, this is amazing. I literally so think awesome. I pulled over on the highway. I, I hit the thing on my phone so that I could share the episode with her. And I said, you need to listen to this. This lady has it figured out. Because Alana spends a lot of time worrying about all oh, the calories and the wine and blah blah blah, and you know we enjoy. <laughs> no, no, time. I do. I do research. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you research. research. That's perfect. Market research. That's Absolutely. right. I've done a lot of research. Absolutely. But so, uh, but there are a lot awesome. of there's a lot of research in podcasts and the podcasts that I listen to like are amazing, like Ben Bergeron, and there's some other ones kind of like keto and paleo podcasts and stuff like that. And they talk about oxidative priority and how, you know, if you really want to train hard, like how the alcohol kind of derails you. And I've heard that just numerous times over and over and over. And I'm like, but I just want to hear one time (laughs) that I can have a little bit of red wine and still train and, you know, I'm still going to reach some goals. And so I thought, I think that's, you were like, okay, this is it. This is my moment to convince her. (laughs) So I sent her the link to the podcast. She listened and she was like, oh my God, this lady is totally amazing. I love her philosophy of train hard, recover and drink wine. And, you know, of course, as soon as she showed her enthusiasm, obviously I connected with you, got some shirts because she desperately needed those shirts. And I've been strutting about in those shirts ever since. (laughs) Those tank tops are awesome. You guys are awesome. I'm so glad. I'm glad you guys love them. (laughs) Uh, so it was great. So to tell us a little bit about your wine business. What got you involved in the wine business? Where, when did you start? Why did you start? Uh, tell us a little bit about it. No, totally. Yeah. So I've, so I was actually named after Chateau Margaux, which is a region in France. Uh, my parents loved wine growing up and I was named after that. So I think, I feel like it's been in my blood ever since I was a baby. <laughs> um, and growing up, my parents were always open to like teaching myself and my sisters a little bit about wine, like the process of it. You know, you're trying to taste the wine, smell it, uh, and would explain to us how, you know, like how it, one wine might be different, how red wine is different than white wine, and di- how it's different than bubbly wine or um, mm-hmm. champagne. And so I've always been interested in learning it and obviously, you know, would taste it from time to time. And then as I've gotten older, um, would slowly try to drink a little bit more to, uh, you know, understand, like taste your palate. And it's tough because, you know, people say, you know, to know what you like or don't like, you need to drink and you need to taste and try different things versus just taking, like drinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've kind of done that over the years. And there was, um, in 2011, there's a piece of property that my father had in Utah that was going to be billed for industrial real estate for storage units and actually ended up falling through and didn't work out. He was going to lose the property. So to save it, he decided to go into agricultural and started planting vines. So in 2011, I went down there, helped him plant some vines. And then every year after I would go back and harvest. So 2012, my sisters, my sister and myself, my mom went down to help harvest. And I just loved putting in that physical effort mm-hmm. and like you'd be pulling 10 to 12 to 14 hours days but it was so worth it because you look back and you're like man this entire vine this 200 meters of vine i'm i've now cleared off of grapes and i get to actually go and crush into stem and press the wine and learn how to see the process and what everything goes into it and in 2014 i brought alex with me and um, he was like man this is amazing this is really cool and so you know, we went down in 2015, did it again. And my dad was getting older and wasn't able to kind of keep up with, with the volume of the harvest. He would sell the dollars, the grapes for a dollar a pound. And it was just a lot for him to manage. So Alex and I were like, Hey, well, let's come down here. Let's be here full time. Um, 
actually create something and create a business. And so in 2016, uh, leading up to the games, Alex and I were doing research and we figured out the best way to, if we want to sell the wine was to do a custom crush agreement because licensing laws in Utah are really tough, really hard. Um, it's a lot different than most other States. And so we said, all right, well, in the order of the time that we need to get the license, we'll do a custom crush and get the wine ready and be able to sell it the next year. By that time, we'll have a license. And so in 2016, after the games, we went down there, harvested the grapes. We'd get everything into the trailer, drive them down to Utah or drive them down to California. We had our production facility in California and Paso Robles, which is like halfway between SoCal and NorCal, like LA and San Francisco. So we did that. And it was definitely a huge learning process. A lot of time, long hours, long drives. We would drive 10 hours one way, drop the grapes off, and then hustle back the next day, drive another 10 hours back to get ready for the next batch. And yeah, it was a lot of physical labor, a lot of crazy hours, um, but it was a huge learning process. And so we, I, I set up after the harvest in 2016, I sat down and did all the licensing for what we needed to do to get our license federally and state wise. Uh, starting with California, and then from there we expanded into other states to be able to strict, um, to be able to send direct to consumer. And so that first year was huge learning experience. We launched in 2017 at the CrossFit Games, actually last year in Madison. And so we did a booth for our apparel, and then got the wine up there into the Alliant Energy Center and had it available up there. So it was our kind of a first launch. And then from last August to this August, we've been selling direct to consumer online. We've learned a lot, and going forward, we're not going to continue to do the harvest because it's a lot of time. And if my goal is to continue to get back to the games, which it is, yeah. we had to outsource grapes this year. So instead of harvesting the grapes in Utah, we'll just keep those grapes there. So but we st- will. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, do you do you still have do you, do you still have the vineyard then in in Utah? Do you yes. still grow your own grapes? So the grapes are still there. Yeah, we still have the grape farm there. Um, we had a lot of road bumps this past year. We actually affiliated our garage gym, got the vineyard CrossFit as an affiliate, yeah. and we were going to build a building there to do a gym and kind of have people as a spot to come check out because we were about 20, 30 minutes from Zion. Had a lot of pushback from the county, and we weren't able to get permits to build. So instead of staying there and hoping and wishing that we could have things change, we decided that we needed to move. Um, we had applied past this past year, applied the, to get the wine into Utah, but they told us, no, they said we have too much wine on our shelves and they have 44 stores in within the entire state of Utah, which is a pretty small amount. If you yeah. can look at it compared to like California or yeah. Vegas, mm-hmm. for example, Nevada. So we decided, all right, well, the wine, they they have too much production. They're not going to like take us in. So instead of waiting, we decided that our best bet will be to move, to build a business and the brand. So we decided um, Las Vegas was the best bet. And we've been here since June. And we've had a lot of great leads. We've met a lot of connections. We've done wine tastings. We've done yoga and wine nights at some local affiliates here, which has been amazing. Um, we ended up actually getting the wine, one of the wines, the goat, greatest of all time, into a restaurant off the on the strip called the Searsucker, which is in Caesar's Palace. And then we got the wine accepted into Total Wine, which is a like a liquor and wine store here in Las Vegas. They have multiple locations around the U.S. as well. I'm not sure if they have them there in Canada, but um, it's it's been amazing. So, I mean, we want to we want to continue to build a brand and build the wine and share a philosophy and share a message with a lot of people. Because like you said, you know, there's a lot of people like, Oh, you know, if you're training hard, you can't enjoy wine. You can't enjoy alcohol. And it's like, Hey, everyone's a little different, but our message has been, you know, you can work out, you can train hard, you can work hard, whether you're 
spending six to eight hours in the gym, which most people aren't. They're sparing maybe an hour in the gym and then they're going and working or they're going to their job or they're going to study. And then you can enjoy at the end of the day, a glass of wine or a beer or a beverage and reflect on your life and enjoy the process. Because I think at least in my life and what I've learned is like things can change at the drop of a hat. There can be things that alter your life or alter how you live your life. And I think it's really important to make the most of what you have and share that and create memories for as much as you can, for as long as you can. And so our message has been like, hey, you know, go out there, train hard, work hard, and then wind down at the end of the day. Um, I like. I feel like, I like we're just getting started. <laughs> I like that new one, uh, train new hard one? and wind down. I like that. Wind down. That's great. Yeah, so we just, yeah, we just um, kind of trying to promote that message and get it out there because I think um, – you know, life can be crazy and we can get caught up in like little things. We can get caught up in the minute picture. So I think it's a reminder to take a step back and, you know, look at the life that you have, look what you've built at whatever stage you're at. You know, you could be just starting out or in the middle or near the end. And I think it's really important to kind of remember that message. And it's tough because a lot of people are like, man, do you really drink wine every day? And I'm like, yeah, I really do. Like I'm not drinking a full bottle, but I'm drinking maybe a glass or two. Um, But I'm joining myself. And I think a big proponent of how I view life or how I approach life has been a change. Um, in 2008, my sister passed away from a car accident, like free car accident. So it's like, all right, there's going to be things or instances in life where things or people can literally be taken away from you at yeah. the snap of a snap of your fingers. Mm-hmm. And so when that happened, I think I was like, you know, as much as it obviously it, it hurts you and you have to go through the mourning process and accept it and, you know, move forward. I think it was a huge learning experience. She lived life where it was like, no regrets. She would make the most of every opportunity she had. She would go out there and do what she wanted to do. She went after her, her desires and her passions and, and changed what she wanted to do in life because she had a yearning for health and food and, and cooking and art. And I think learning from that, for me, it was like, all right, you know, she went after all that. I'm going to make sure that I don't, I have minimal regrets and I'm going to go after what I want and focus on my passions, which I've found over the years has been health and fitness and, and wine and sharing that with people. And so that's something I've tried to just as much as I can share my message with people and connect with others. And maybe if I can't influence or help anyone or everyone, then maybe I can help at least one person of the people that I come across. And maybe that one person can then help another person down the road. Yeah, totally. Um, Listen, I think yeah. your, you know, your messaging is, is, is amazing. And, and I think your sister would certainly be proud of how you've sort of taken your experiences in life and, and, and really kind of drawn strength uh, from, from that and, and really gone after your passions, both, obviously the wine business, as well as the CrossFit stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's inspiring to listen to and, and to certainly to, to watch as you've gone through the competitions. Um, uh, last thing that I would just wanted to ask, and, and it was just something that kind of came up in a couple of conversations. I listened to a couple of interviews that you've done before and so many times that you've sort of said that you're in your professional winemaking career. Um, you seem to have made a lot of connections w- with, in the business side of things with people who just happen to be CrossFitters. Do you find that a coincidence or do you t- tend to align yourself with those people because you know that they have a great sensibility, a business sense, that sort of thing? Uh, you know, does that kind of, does it just kind of come out of the blue or do you kind of, kind of help uh, move that along? I think, I think it, I think it kind of comes a little bit out of the blue just because when we started the wine business and we were trying to get into Vegas, we reached out to numerous 
um, like beverage directors or managers, um, like whether it was email or social media, like LinkedIn, we reached out to numerous people, um, winemakers, psalms, and we ended up hearing back from two. One was, um, one was the, uh, like the main psalm, the master psalm at, um, it used to be Bellagio, but now it's MGM. And he was like, yeah, sure. Um, let's, let's meet, you know, love to see what you have to say. And so we were able to meet up and connect and everyone, one, I mean, all the other people that we reached out to the, of the 30 that we reached out to one told us, no, uh, never heard from 28. And then the other one was this, um, was Jason Smith, who was a master Psalm at Bellagio and then now MGM. And we ended up meeting, having a conversation and he doesn't do CrossFit. I mean, he's heard of it, but doesn't do it himself. But, um, he took a chance to meet us and that was amazing. We were super grateful for that. Um, and then from there we, we're told we need to get a distributor. So we reached out to distributors and of all the distributors we re- reached out to, uh, we heard back from two, one told us, no, thank you. I'm not interested. Um, and the other one was like, yeah, sure. I'd love to meet. I'm also a CrossFit level two coach at CrossFit culmination. And I was like, man, like what are the chances of mm-hmm. our paths crossing and, uh, meeting? And I think it's, as much as I want to say, you know, you attract what you put out in the universe, kind of like what they talk about the secret, if you guys ever heard of that, mm-hmm. you know, like what you envision and what you put out, I think, you know, you're putting out negativity, you're going to draw in negativity. If you're putting mm-hmm. out positivity, you're going to draw that in. And I think it was kind of by chance that we were able to meet. And at the same time, like within CrossFit, there's so many people that come from so many different walks of life, so many different backgrounds that like you go into a, a gym and you go to a class, there might've been people that you never would have connected to, never would have met, but because you guys have that same interest in health, in fitness, in CrossFit, whatever it may be, like you get there and you meet and it's like, man, like never in my wildest dreams would have that happened. But I mm-hmm. think with that power of CrossFit, in a way we've been able to meet with some connections um, within the wine industry and it's been amazing. And I think Vegas in itself has so many, so much opportunity. The amount of people that come here, like willing to work hard, willing to bust their butt, to put it out there, to reach their goals and like follow their passions. I think it's really cool. So I think we, we, in our, in a way we've, we've made the changes to align ourselves in a position where we can connect with other people, whether it be through CrossFit or not. But at the same time within CrossFit, people that we've been able to connect because we have the same passion has been amazing. So I think it's hard to say like what specifically would be, but I think a little bit of both maybe. For sure. Well, that's, that's great. All I can hope and pray is that one day we get distribution in Canada and we can start enjoying (laughs) your delicious wines. We just, we keep, we keep watching on social media and we see all these amazing events and we're like, Holy cow, that looks, that looks awesome. I think I saw Dave Castro picking up a bottle of goat the other day and I was just like, Oh man, lucky bugger. But, uh, you know, of course, you know, that's just the the international laws with distributing wine and all that stuff. I know it's a a bit of a challenge and state to state, I'm sure it's a bit of a challenge as well, but, um, we'll certainly look forward to, we, we take a ski trip every, uh, every March down to, uh, to Maine. So maybe we'll, we'll try and figure something out. We'll uh, get a, get a hold of your wine in some way. Do you ship to UPS boxes? (laughs) Yes, we. I think I believe we can. We can ship UPS, FedEx, and uh, GSO, but that's mainly on the West Coast. But yeah, FedEx and uh, um, UPS. But if you guys ever come to Vegas, let us know. Um, would love to connect and love to see you guys. Yeah, and obviously meet in person. That would be great. Um, and eventually, we'd love. We're working on scaling the production now so that we can increase our production, increase our growth, mm-hmm. uh, and eventually, I'd love to be able to ship at least to Canada and the North America continent just because i will allow i mean a lot of people a lot of people have asked and a lot of people are like hey you know do you ship wine here do you ship wine to spain or australia and i'm like i wish we could do that right now 
Um, we're not in the position to right now, but in the future, for sure, I will keep you guys posted. <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, listen, it's always an, a standing uh, invitation for you to ever come to the east coast of Canada, come mm-hmm. to Nova Scotia, our little beautiful uh, part of the world, and, you know, do a wad with us. And uh, if you're ever in the area, let us know. And we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll happily have you into our, our box and uh, we'll have some fun uh, throwing down. That'd be great. <laughs> cool. I would definitely love that. I heard it's gorgeous over there. <laughs> oh, it's it's amazing. You just, uh, take a take a peek, Nova Scotia. Pull it up on the on the map and uh, and take a look. It's uh, it's amazing. We're on the we're on the ocean, so it's, uh, it's, oh, awesome. it's a beautiful place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't want to take any more of your time. We truly truly appreciate all the time that you've taken to just give us a little bit of insight in what it's like to be obviously. Uh, six-time CrossFit game athlete, um, but also, a, you know, a, a new business, a wine owner um, and a wine producer. Um, you know, all we can say from our end of things is thank you, but we also wish you the absolute best of luck uh, with uh, qualifying for the 2019 uh, CrossFit Games, as well as, um, you know, hoping that the the Vineyard CrossFit just, uh, you know, blows up and, and becomes a huge success for you guys. Um, we just wish you the best of luck and uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, this is awesome. You both are amazing. I really appreciate it. <laughs> very good. Well, thank you very much, Margo, and we'll uh, take care of yourself. Um, we'll talk Definitely to you Definitely. Thank you. You too. Thanks, Margo. All right. Thanks, guys. And we're back. So... Wasn't that just amazing? That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the conversation just, it seemed to flow. It was good. So many amazing things that she said to kind of give us motivation mm-hmm. to continue to, to work hard, mm-hmm. train hard, recover, drink wine, right? You know, and, and take a vacation to Vegas so yeah. we can you know, <laughs> go hang out with Margo. That's right. Margo. Absolutely. Yeah. So Margo, we'll be there uh, someday down the road. We'll, we'll pit stop at Vegas and uh, we'll drink some wine with you and have some fun. Mm-hmm. Did you think goat? And I wanted, there were so many things, but you just, we could have talked for probably three hours. There were things that I wanted to interject and ask and, but like goat greatest of all time. But is that also a play on like goat, the CrossFit goat, right? Something you have to work on versus the greatest of all time. I don't know. I wanted to Well, ask she said that. greatest of all time. Which I understand is what G-O-A-T stands right. for. But also a goat in CrossFit is something that you need to work on, right? right? So I just wondered. But I suspect it's more greatest of all time simply because she said it. And then if you look at their label, mm-hmm. it's a goat on there. But right. the G, the O, the A, and the T are all separated by a dot. Mm-hmm. So greatest of all time. Right. But yeah, I, know. I, I don't know. Hey, just, Margo, reach out to us. Tell, let us know. Um, tell us if greatest of all time but is that the only thing it is. Or... sounds delicious. Yeah, it does. We definitely, when if we do our ski trip in Maine or wherever we're going to go next year in the States, if it's in the States, we're, we're going to ship to for that, sure. to a UPS box. And definitely. Yeah, for sure. Enjoy so, it while, yeah. we're, while we're skiing. Mm-hmm. Not, well, not while we're skiing. <laughs> a prey. We are... We're, we're pretty good. We're getting good. We could sip some wine. No, I can ski. have a beer and ski because like one beer and ski. Yeah. But I think if I had a glass of wine, I'd, I'd be a little overconfident. <laughs> End up in a tree. And yeah. And with that, that'll bring us to our, what the hell is wrong with you people segment. Um, and our good friend, um, Mike Malloy, uh, I reached out to him and I said, Hey, do me a favor. Give me a what the hell is wrong. Actually, no, sorry. He said he had an interesting what the hell is wrong with you uh, people uh, suggestion. And so he ended up sending it to to me. I asked him to record a voice recording. I'm going to stick it in here and I want you to hear what his thoughts were on uh, what the hell is wrong with you people. 
Hi, PJ and Alana. It's Mike. I'd like to suggest a topic for your what the hell is wrong with you people segment. My question is this. What the hell is wrong with the people that like to talk on their cell phone, palm upturned two inches from their mouth on speakerphone? Have you seen this? Have fun with it. Good. So people that talk on their cell phones, holding it up in the air, Mm-hmm. talking on the speakerphone while the other person can be heard. Mm-hmm. Oh, those people but are they doing it so that people can hear? Like, I, I don't, I do not understand the reason for doing it. I think they're doing it because they think they look cool. Really? Yeah. There isn't like another reason. And if you do this, you're, well, obviously you're probably not going to admit to it at this point. <laughs> but if you know why people do this, especially in the car, like, that definitely isn't any better than holding it to your ear. Like I think a, they do it in the car, though, because they think they can get away with, you know, I'm not actually talking. It's not up to my ear. So well, if the I'm police here pulled to them tell over. You. I'm here to tell you. You can't touch your phone in any right. way, shape, or Absolutely. form. You get a ticket. Right. So it's hands-free, not, right. not ear-free. I know. I know. But that's the thing. I think people do it for that reason. They figure, well... I also think it gives them an opportunity if it's there, they can hold it low while they're driving in the car. It doesn't always but have to be. But they don't. They no, hold know, it right true. up here. Fucking weird. It's weird. I, so I walked into the rink the other night to take one of the boys to hockey, and one of the moms was there. She had her phone pointing to the sky, talking into the end of it, and I could hear her. Con- the other person on the other end responding to her conversation. Is it because their phone is too big and the ear and the mouthpiece don't match up. I think it's sometimes those people that just want people to hear their conversation. Like I get that from cell phones. If you had a cell phone in 1989 and that was pretty (laughs) cool to pull that out. Yeah. But when a six year old pulls out a cell phone, like it's no longer cool to have a conversation in public. Like it's almost, you know, it's so old. It's uncool. It's true. I don't know. It's a little bit of douchebaggery for yeah, me. I, don't I agree. I, I, I don't like it. So, folks. But if there's a reason, maybe they don't want to hold it up to their head because they think that it's going to give them brain cancer. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't, I don't know. Maybe right. there's... Yeah, I, that's possible. That's mm, a, it's a theory. Right? The same reason you don't want to have it in your pocket if you're a male. Well, I think we all have them in our pockets. Always. Well, you have two kids, so we're good. But yeah. there is, you know, <laughs> I don't think there's been enough studies on what they actually, you know, do to, you know, your innards. True. Ugh, I don't like that word either. Why did you use it? I don't know. I wasn't sure what else to your use guts. to describe your insides. Your junk? No, that's no, definitely not, not the right word. Okay. Good try. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, dudes, put your phone down. Uh, you Put a headset on. Right? Then you don't have to. You can have your phone in your pocket at that earbuds? point. Earbuds? A headset? Right? Headset, earbuds, whatever. Please don't pull out a headset with like a microphone. <laughs> hey, listen. Some people do that in their cars. That's cool. Whatever. But literally, put your headphones on. If you know you're going to be taking phone calls, put your headphones on. If you're like, I don't want to hold this. I'm too lazy to hold this fucking phone up to my ear. I just want to hold it like this because it's easier. Like, I, I don't think that's... It's weird. And you can't see what we're... There's a lot of hand gestures happening here. But I don't know. I, I think I've run into situations where I hold the phone up to my ear. And if I don't have those little holes for the the speaker... No, the microphone. The 
the, the earpiece right in the right spot. I yeah. sometimes can't hear people on yeah. the call very well. Yeah. So then you're adjusting and shifting. So maybe, well, let me just put it on speaker because then all I got to do is just kind of hold it close to my ear and it's so fucking loud that I can hear it and everybody else in the room can hear it as well. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I, I really have no idea why I, I would never do it. I think they think they're really cool and they're just not. But the people that you see do it. They're not cool. No, but I don't. they also don't look like people, not always, they don't look like people who are trying to be cool. I don't know. I'm not sure. The when person I, I saw at the rink was trying to be cool. Really? For sure. I just, I happen to know the person. I'm not going to okay. call them out, but right. I happen to know the person. No, I think do that. that person was just trying to be cool. As in, she wanted people to hear the words that were actually being spoken, or she just wanted to be like, I'm talking on my phone. Yeah. Hey, look at me. I got my phone. I'm having a conversation. I don't think that's a cool... I'm important. But everybody has a phone. Yeah, I don't think I don't, that that means you're, you know, that's not now. kind of the way that person carries themselves, I think. Mm-hmm. I agree, though. That's a bit of a. I hate seeing stupid. people do it in cars, though, but that's just because I'm like, put your freaking phone down. Yeah. Totally. Oh, I get so angry and I like try to stare at them and give them a stink eye. Nobody's paying any attention to me. That's right. One of these days I'm going to write on that piece of paper like I keep threatening. Get Put off your, your effing phone. phone. Yeah. Ugh, but then you never know who's going to have road rage and running exactly. off the road. So. Yeah. True enough. Anywho, yeah, that was a good one. I like Mike. other people. Yeah. Other people should do that and send us so, stuff. It yes. doesn't have to be. No, exactly. The way, I like the way Mike did it. Of course. Because <laughs> we like Mike and Mike's he's funny. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I like other people sending us their stuff. So we don't always have to feel like the bad guy going, we hate everybody. Yeah, exactly. We sound like assholes all the time. So there's two ways that you can do this. One, you can just obviously do a voice recording on your phone. How do you do that? There's voice, voice memos. Do it's I an app. It's an app that comes in. Don't look at it. Don't okay, look for sorry. it right now. Who cares? Um, there's, it's an app called voice memos. You literally just hit record just like we're doing right now. You record yeah. it into your phone yeah. and then you can I understand how to, to record. I just yeah. wasn't sure if that was like a yeah. stock app. That no, comes. It's a stock app. It's called okay. voice memos. Mm-hmm. The other way to do it is as you guys may or may not know, we use anchor as the, um, podcast platform that we, sh- uh, push our, our podcast out on. You can leave voice messages on the anchor app. So if you want to send us a voice message, all you need to do is download the anchor app to your phone, go on, search up night and day podcast, and then you can actually send us a voice message. Seems like a lot of work. And then once that, that voice message gets recorded directly to our account, and then all we need to do is pull it off of our account. Could and put they it into call your phone and leave a voicemail? Can you take a voicemail? No. Probably not. No. It's got to be something. It's got to be a voice recording. So it's yeah. got to be MP3 format so that we can pop it into the into The voice the memo thing seems like the best way to go. Yeah. For so if you like have uh, an iPhone or I don't know what Android does, but uh, record a voice memo with your what the hell is wrong with you people suggestions. Mm-hmm. Uh, send it to us. We'll plug it into the show. Um, and yeah, we'll have some fun with this. Yeah. Um, so again, just in closing, thank you very much to, again, to Margot Alvarez for taking the time to, uh, talk to Alana and I, uh, it was a real honor, uh, to talk to her and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it was just, it was awesome. So yeah. thank you. Uh, we truly appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wish you the best of luck as you are, um, embarking on your training for the 2019 CrossFit games. We know with all of the changes, um, it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge to get there, but mm-hmm. We're in your corner. Uh, we're cheering you on, and uh, best of luck. We should talk about those changes maybe next week. I see there's a lot of podcasts popping up. Yeah. Um, Girls Gone Wad. They did like an impromptu yeah. half an hour. I didn't listen to it yet, but it was good. I, I listened to it this morning. What like 
I drive everywhere. I drive everywhere. So (laughs) as soon as I hop in my car, the first thing I do is check, is there any new updated podcasts? The very first thing I do. And then when it comes up, I go, bang, I'm going to watch that one. I know, but even when it's half an hour, like is your drive always... I was between two clinics today, so I got to listen to it twice. Okay. Yeah. So, Girls Gone Wild, great show. Uh, Yeah, very good. good. It was a a great episode today. Um, So, uh, without further ado, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we will chat with you guys next week. Take care. See you later. Deuces. Night and day.